0: Actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Crude. Since turning 30 last year, I've been struggling with acne for the first time in my life and trying everything under the sun to feel like myself again. I finally found an all-natural, soap-free cleansing system called Crude that works with my skin instead of trying to fight it. Crude's plant-based oil cleansing products have helped thousands of customers like me heal their acne, rosacea, and eczema. Join me in ditching the suds and get 20% off any Crude product right now. Head to livecrude, that's C-R-U-D-E dot com and enter code bossup at checkout. And thanks for supporting the companies that support this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Basta podcast. Today we are talking about when to quit. How do you know when it's time to walk away from a job that's no longer serving you? How long is too long or how long is long enough to justify actually quitting your job? And how does one go about actually doing that the right way in a prudent financially responsible way, especially. For this conversation, I am joined by none other than one of my favorite financial experts, Maggie Germano, a money maven who pivoted from working full-time in the nonprofit sector to starting her own financial coaching business for women. And make sure to stick around for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week, which you do not want to miss. If you haven't joined us already, make sure to join us in the free Bossed Up Courage community now at bossedup.org, where the best conversations continue after each podcast episode. Now, when it comes to quitting myself, I remember being on the precipice of walking away from my steady political consulting job to start Bossed Up, and it felt completely bewildering, unnatural, and even a little guilt-inducing, like I was somehow ungrateful for the opportunities that I'd landed thus far. You see, I grew up in a household where money was always really tight. And like an entitled millennial does, I happened to graduate into the midst of the Great Recession. So I kind of had this narrative in my mind that we should be grateful for any job we could have. After all, these are first world problems. You know, if your job isn't great, even though it does pay the bills, Isn't that something you should just suck up and endure? And who am I to be asking for anything more? I was really struggling for a while with a feeling not worthy of pursuing a different kind of career path because I thought quitting just wasn't something you do because I was taught that quitting was for quitters, right? That quitting was a bad thing and, and quitting just wasn't something that hardworking people did. So as I sat there on my bed, Reviewing my Bossed Up business plan, a 10-page business plan that I had labored over and mapped out for months. I mean, I'd probably been reviewing it for the 30th time as I sat on maybe the 25th phone call with a mentor or friend or industry leader, walking through my plans one more time. And my mentor at the time said to me, Emily, when are you going to do something about this? Right? You've been planning and planning and planning. It's time to get out of that analysis, paralysis, and act. And the concept of walking away from my job felt so completely insane to me until she asked me this really powerful question. She said, what would it look like to fail? Really, though, what would it look like if you quit your job and you went broke in a few months or you went broke next month or you couldn't generate income right away? What would you do? And as scary as a question that was to levy my way, it also was really liberating because it helped me take failure out of the scary black hole abyss of the abstract concept of failure and get really concrete. What would happen? How would I figure things out? What privilege did I have to fall back on? And what would total and complete failure look like? And that question is such an important one for us to ask regardless of how many obstacles, commitments, responsibilities, or privileges that you have going for you. It requires you to get real about finances, about money, about your obligations, and about your tolerance of risk. That powerful question is what gave me the courage to finally quit my job— And start Bossed Up and pursue that dream full-time. And let me tell you, that is just the beginning of the story. I ended up taking a variety of bridge jobs, or the kinds of jobs that just help you pay the bills and make ends meet. I was babysitting for a while there. I ended up taking on a freelance political client here and there for two more years while I was making sure that Bossed Up's finances could support me full-time. But that first decision to quit a toxic job, to quit an all-consuming full-time job that was prohibiting me from moving forward in pursuit of my own dreams, of my own purpose, of really pursuing my own company, was a huge and important first step. So today we are talking about how to make that first step and do so in a responsible, prudent and risk-tolerant way while being real about how much risk you can take on yourself. And this is applicable to anyone who's walking away from a job, whether you're going off to pursue another job and you're entering the job search process, or if you're going off to start your own organization. And we're ready to dive into this week's listener-submitted career conundrum. Take a listen.
1: My name is Rose. I'm calling from Connecticut. My question is, how do you know when to leave your current job? Um, I've been working at my current job since 2016, 2016. I started freelancing. I came full-time. I'll be full-time in a month. However, I'm realizing as much as I like what I do, I don't like the company I work for. I don't like the parent company I work for. And it's constant struggle to do what I like in a company that has made my job a little bit harder, and I think I'm ready to move on to something else, a different company, the same industry, but I don't really know how to do that or the steps to go in making this possible. So any advice would be really great, Emily. Really, I think you're great. You'd be great advice stuff that I've never told you. So hopefully you can help. Thanks. Have a good night. Rose, this is such
0: a great question. It's really two questions that you're asking. You're asking, when is it time to quit a job? And second of all, how do I start to make that kind of a transition? When I was thinking of someone I know who has very publicly, in many ways, quit her job and done so in a thoughtful, reasonable, very patience-requiring kind of way— I knew I had to bring in my friend, personal finance expert, Maggie Germano, to come in and talk to us about how you decided, Maggie, to quit your job and what Rose can learn from that process. So Maggie, you are the founder and CEO of MaggieGermano.com, where you help people really own their power when it comes to financial independence, financial advice. But you weren't always in this business, were you?
2: So I've always kind of considered myself a personal finance nerd. It's something I've really enjoyed learning about, reading about. I signed up for a lot of newsletters about money uh, and really in the way that we personally deal with money. And so I would offer support to friends and family as they needed it. And as I was getting involved with women's groups here in D.C., I was meeting so many women who were struggling with their money, whether it was student debt, credit card debt, not knowing how to manage a budget or generally just feeling really anxious about their money out of control and also so much shame. That was a huge piece of it. I really realized that these money issues were holding women back from living the lives that they really wanted to live. They couldn't make empowered choices. They couldn't go after the things they really wanted to do because they were so overwhelmed or in debt. And so I started offering support kind of on a one-off basis to women as I was meeting them. Like, hey, I'll sit down with you. We'll make a budget that works for you. Hey, I'll sit down. Let's make a plan for you to pay off your credit card. Or even just acting as a soundboard for people because people really struggle to talk about money, especially women, I think. We get really stuck in this idea, well, I've always been this way, so it will always be this way. And I think that is super strong around money, too, where it's like, well, I guess I've always been in debt or I've always been bad with money, so there's no way it can change that. And through the one-on-one coaching, I realized they really can start making those mindset shifts and start paying off their debt, building up their savings, quitting their crappy job and getting a better one, going off on their own, whatever it is. It's so much more possible when you feel empowered to actually do it.
0: I love that. It's such a good reminder that big life choices like leaving people who aren't good for you or leaving jobs that aren't good for you are so tied to financial stability and financial power. And so I want to uncover a little bit about how you pivoted and know, Rose, that You know, pivots look slightly different for entrepreneurs, but we're going to talk about career pivots and quitting your job, whether you're looking for another job in the same industry or a totally different career trajectory or striking out on your own as you did, Maggie. So tell us about how you decided to quit and what that required of you.
2: Yeah. So actually, I decided years ago that I wanted to quit my job, and I didn't actually quit until December, this past Mm -hmm. December. So it's only been two months But I I just knew, kind of like what Rose was saying, I was not happy at the company that I was at. Um, I had been there for years. They do really good work. I was passionate about the issues they worked on, but I wasn't passionate about my day-to-day activity and the impact that I was making. It really didn't feel like I was making an impact. And I knew that as a passionate person who's always gone after the things that I care about, that I couldn't stay in a situation that I really wasn't getting any of that passion from. Um, So I decided years ago I wanted to quit, but then it took me really long to actually do it. And part of that reason was because I didn't know really what I wanted to do instead. And so to kind of figure that out, one of the things I did was go to Boss Up Boot Camp. Uh, (laughs) Highly recommended. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, And because I really, I was lost. I didn't know what I was passionate about. I didn't know what I was good at. I kind of felt like I didn't have skills. Maybe I should just keep this job because I'm at least getting promoted and you know, making good money. Um, And so I got involved in Bossed Up and a few other women's organizations here because I knew that I was passionate about women's um, empowerment, women's independence. But I didn't really know how to translate that to a career. I think so
0: many people find that we have to rationalize our desire to quit. You can almost hear it in Rose's question. She's saying, here's all the reasons why I should quit. Like, tell me I can, right? And for you, it's not that you didn't believe in the things that your organization was doing. So did it take you a long time to feel validated in your desire for something different?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Especially since I had been at the organization for seven years and I had had one other job before that, but very briefly. And so that was kind of, an identity of mine like Mm -hmm. this is the work that I'm doing this is what I came to DC to do and I think that there is that idea that if you've been doing something for a certain period of time that's what you're supposed to be doing and that it's irresponsible to leave or um, like with Rose she's been at this organization for a year and a half maybe it feels too soon to leave maybe she feels grateful to have this job that she's now going to be full-time at sometimes the only excuse you need to leave a job is that you're not happy there There's something called the status quo bias. We as human beings just
0: are biased towards keeping things the way they are. And I I like this quote from Morris Strong that comes up at Boss Up Boot Camp that goes, inertia is a powerful force in human and political affairs. And it's true. An object in motion stays in motion. When you're at a job, the expectation is that you will continue to be there. And it's ironic, right? Because you've either been there for too long or too short to quit. You're either too successful on that career path to quit or not successful enough to quit. It's like other people will always give you a good reason why you should stay. But if you're unhappy, you have to listen to that part of you and get analytical and get critical about what is making you unhappy about this. And I think that whenever we can get real about our power, especially financial power, and get real about what kinds of choices you really have, It's not selfish to want more. It's not ridiculous or millennial or entitled to say, I want to pursue a career that makes me happy. So what did that look like from a money perspective, if you don't mind getting real with us? Because I'm sure it's scary to walk away from a job you've been in for seven years that you were doing well in, you were getting promoted in, you were getting that steady paycheck, especially to pivot into entrepreneurship.
2: Yeah. And I also had amazing benefits at that organization, like better than pretty much anyone I know. And so that was really hard to leave. And and I was very tempted to lean back on that excuse. Um, but I knew that they just I just couldn't keep going that way because I had been unhappy for so long and I didn't want to continue it. So my first step financially was to start my business while I was still working. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I decided I wanted to become a financial coach for women and really use uh, money to empower other women, I started my website. I started doing one-on-one coaching and doing events and those sorts of things, but continuing to bring in that extra paycheck or or that that actual paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, now it feels like an extra paycheck. Back in the day, the side hustle was the extra. (laughs) Exactly. And I didn't spend any of the money I was making with my business. I was just putting it all either back into the business or just putting it into savings for the business. So now I have a savings cushion for my business now that I'm full-time. Taking the two years to really build up my business before quitting my job and stashing all of the savings from my paycheck that I could was really, really important to me. I'm very risk-averse, and so just quitting without a plan was just not in the cards. And also my fiance, I don't think he would have been super comfortable with me just being like, you know what? I'm just going to quit. You can just pay for everything.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's such a good reminder that career pivoting and and quitting a job that's not right for you can be done in a lot of different ways. I would argue if it's a toxic environment where you are being mentally harmed on a daily basis or physically, God forbid, harmed on a daily basis, then get the hell out. Right. As, As fast as you can while still remaining safe. Um, But it doesn't sound like that level of unhappiness was true for you. I, I like to think about burnout, actually, as not always being due to overwork, but sometimes due to a lack of purpose-driven work. So you weren't necessarily in a toxic workplace, right? But you wanted to pursue your passions and make that a full-time pursuit eventually. Once you'd started the business on the side, did you immediately start to feel a little happier or more stressed out because you were
2: working more? I think initially I felt a lot happier because I, could, I had something to look forward to at the end of the day or even in the middle of the day. I would take clients at lunch or I would take clients in right after work. And so and those client sessions actually really energized me. And so I'd be exhausted from work and then have a client and then be like, oh my God, like I feel so much better. This is so much fun. So in the beginning, it was really, really great and it made me a lot happier. And I had something that I could focus on during the workday, even though I probably should have been <laughs> right. doing my actual job. Um, but I could write my blogs or do research and those sorts of things. Yeah. During my ample downtime.
0: Uh, as someone who helps people pivot careers, I've heard a thing or two about maybe job hunting while on the job <laughs> that you need to leave, which, you know, it's all about managing perception, y'all. It's all about making sure you're, you're watching out for yourself. Do you feel like preparing... To quit in Rose's situation is different in any major ways from preparing financially for that kind of risk as an entrepreneur.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I do. I think, well, and, and again, it depends on on how bad her situation is. It didn't yeah. sound like it was a toxic situation, it just sound like things were getting a little difficult and she wasn't enjoying it anymore and wanted to leave. So I think she has a little time and she can do some research mm-hmm. and tap her networks because it sounds like she wants to stay in that industry and just find a different company to work for in that same area of work and so asking around tapping some mentors talking to friends in that same industry and seeing what her opportunities are and if they have advice for making a transition because i think being gainfully employed while you're searching is a very privileged position to be in Even if it feels frustrating and stressful, it's still like you can work and make that money and find out your other options and find exciting new opportunities.
0: And I know for anyone out there who's listening to this conversation, who's currently searching for your next job while working at your current job, it doesn't feel like a very privileged position. It feels like double trouble, right? It feels like a real tough balancing act. How much better off is Rose? to collect that paycheck and allow her current employer to basically finance her job search. Or if you're pivoting to a side hustle or pivoting to starting your own business, you know, her current employer could be seen as her funder for making her startup possible. Like from a personal finance perspective, how important do you feel it is to have a a padding or a sense of savings? And how do people begin to make that happen when they're thinking about quitting their job?
2: I think it's really important to have an emergency savings account um, because That is specifically for paying your rent and paying your bills, paying your student loans, anything that you can't skip without getting in big trouble. You need to have that money set aside for you in case of emergency. If you lost your job or if you just couldn't take it anymore one day and quit your job on the spot, that you could pay your rent for a couple months or even just one month while you're job searching. So I think that's incredibly important. And that is one of the things that you can start building up while you're job searching and you're still getting your paycheck and Just cutting down on your spending for a month or two while you're searching so that you can stash some money away if possible just will really get you in a more comfortable position if you need it. Totally. I think of it as short-term pain, long-term gain. I also think it's
0: important for us to make explicit that for a lot of us women— Uh, especially women who I work with who are perfectionistic and type A and overachieving, maybe we're not happy with our current workplace situation because giving 100% every single day in and day out in an organization that doesn't seem to really value us or doesn't seem to make clear a path forward for our career to progress is exhausting and draining. And I'm here to say, is it possible to give 80% 80% to that employer and spend 20% of your effort and energy on you and on your job search or on your business. You described doing just that by really getting energized by by the business that you were starting while working full time. Did it ever feel like you felt guilty? Did you ever feel like you had to get permission from someone to take your foot off the gas pedal
2: at your day job? I don't think I felt very guilty. <laughs> maybe I had been there too long and I was so jaded that I didn't (laughs) feel like they were giving me enough work that would take up my time and my brain space and all of that. So it was like, well, I'm getting my work done. Um, I might as well do things on the side too. (laughs) Although I think towards the end when I was getting a little overwhelmed with working full time and growing the business on the side and buying a house and getting engaged just <laughs> lots of life, life stuff going on yeah i did start kind of feeling myself slipping a little bit at work and i was worried that people would notice no one ever did and i got really good <laughs> performance reviews anyway and i was just like oh okay i guess i Is that funny? Yeah. So It was interesting. But yeah, I don't think I ever really felt guilty. It was more just worrying that I would get caught.
0: And I think we have to keep in mind, sometimes we have to prioritize making our future prospective employer happy over making our current employer happy, which is a scary thing to do because it is risky. But It's hard to give your job search the attention and energy it needs or your startup the energy and attention it needs if you're pouring 100% of yourself into a job that doesn't fulfill you or doesn't meet you halfway. Um, What about those who are just getting by? What if Rose's employment situation, and we don't know every detail in Rose's situation, but what if the job she's working at is frustrating her because it's just not paying her enough? She's looking for her next job to actually be able to succeed financially, to be able to more than make ends meet. And saving is really hard. How can she start making a career transition possible when she's just struggling to pay down debt and get by anyway?
2: That's a really great question. And I hear that a lot, especially from people working in the nonprofit sector. There's just not that much money left over to actually save. So I guess I would say prioritizing the job search and prioritizing finding jobs that you're interested in that will pay you better. Yeah, Because <laughs> I think especially, and I, I'm not sure what Industry Rose is in, but especially people working in nonprofit or public service, they think that they shouldn't earn more, that it, that's just the way it is. And like, I'm just doing something that's better for the world. And so this is just how it is. You just don't make a lot of money in this. And that's just I don't accept that. (laughs) Same. So, you know, look around. Well, first of all, figure out what it is you want to be earning and what would make you the most comfortable and happy based on your expenses and your long-term goals and the things that you want to do. That's not selfish to think about that either. And so identify that for yourself and then start looking for the positions that will pay you that way. And then start practicing with your friends and your mentors about how you can negotiate for those things cuz imposter syndrome's real and it's scary especially if you don't have a lot of experience with it so totally. Yeah.
0: And just for those who aren't familiar imposter syndrome is this psychological phenomenon, right, that affects men and women but appears more often in women that makes you feel like a fraud at work, makes you feel unworthy, makes you question whether you have the capacity to do whatever it is that you're doing. I used to feel that way, like at any point in time, someone was going to find out that I'd been hired and it was some kind of clerical error. (laughs) And yeah, you're totally on point about the nonprofit industry. I call that whole uh, Catch-22 way of thinking the martyrdom mindset, this idea that we must sacrifice ourselves to do the work we want to do. And if we believe that truly, then we're going to act in ways that reinforce that belief. So it's important to push back on that. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you're helping women do that. Do I recall correctly, you wrote a piece for the blog, and it's on Bossed Up's blog, too, about how to figure out what kind of a salary number would work best for you, right? What are some of the top-line tips that you have for our readers? I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes as well. Um, but for those who don't have time necessarily to read every point, how, how would they go about calculating that kind of
2: goal salary? Well, I think just getting really clear on, well, first of all, what your actual current expenses are, because a lot of people aren't necessarily paying attention to that down to the dollar. So just knowing what it is that you have to spend money on and then how much you typically spend on other things. So your discretionary spending around dining, uh, going to concerts, whatever it is you like to do. Uh, getting a handle on that, so having that the base for the fixed costs and the flex costs, and then getting really clear on the things that you really truly do want for yourself in the future, which I think a lot of us don't necessarily think we deserve or, oh, you know, in 20 years I'll be able to go on that amazing vacation or buy the house, whatever it is. Getting really clear on those things that you really want to experience and have in your life and then kind of calculating how much money you need to make in order to make that happen. So if you want to go on a vacation every year, how much do you need to get paid in order to make that happen? Or if you want to have a certain amount of savings in the bank at the end of the year, how much money do you need to make beyond what you're currently making So getting really clear on you and what you deserve, what you want, and putting that into number form and asking for it. Hell yeah. I
0: love that. And you know I'm a negotiation freak. So for those who want more negotiation and the job search, trust me, we've got more episodes coming out on that topic very soon. But in the meantime, you can check out all the free resources we have available on the Bossed Up blog. And, Rose, I realize you asked two big questions. We really answered, I think, the first one about quitting. And know that we have a lot of resources on how to start the job search process. But quick last fire round question for you, Maggie. What are the first few steps that you think Rose should take to really kickstart her job
2: search now? Yeah, so the number one thing is to get clear on what it is about your organization you don't like so that you can identify other organizations that won't be that way. Because I think the worst thing would be to leave your job that you don't like and going to a new place that's the same way and with the same problems that you're experiencing. So make a list, get clear on the things you don't like about your company and why it's making your life more difficult. And then try to identify other organizations that are not like that. Um, And ask around too at at those other organizations. Talk to people that work there. Make sure that you actually know what things are like there because things on the outside might not actually be what they actually are like in the inside.
0: I think that is such a good reminder that you need to be interviewing the companies that are interviewing you too. It's not just about a desperate flee to the next employer. It's about making sure the next employer is going to treat you better. And so do your due diligence, right? Really do your homework and research the companies that you're considering pivoting to. I also want to just clarify for Rose's sake that there is no magic number of how long you have to stay at an employer before pivoting. Sometimes I get questions from folks who ask, Have I stayed long enough? It's only been a few months or it's been a few years or it's been a seven-year stint. You know, how much is too much or too little time spent and how can I explain this on my resume? My answer is always craft Your story. Um, Make sure that when you're interviewing for your next employer, you can paint a clear picture as to what you're hoping for next to explain why you're leaving where you are now. And you don't want to get too bogged down in the drama of the past. You want to stay focused on the future. But as long as you can make a clear case for why you're leaving, there's no magic number of how many months you have to stay in a workplace that's not working for you. You know, it's all about having the confidence and belief in yourself that you can make that pivot with a compelling story. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us today and helping me unpack this great question from Rose. Where can our
2: listeners catch up with you? So, you can go to my blog at maggiegermano.com. So, I also have options for working with me on one on one coaching and my money circle group, which meets in person once a month here in DC. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maggie Germano and on Facebook at Maggie Germano Coaching awesome, Maggie. We'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. And as always, listeners, keep
0: in mind that part of being a boss is being the boss of your own budget. So do what you have to do to work with bosses like Maggie or get the support that you need to get your personal finance on lock so that quitting a job that's not working for you is an easy choice to make. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week from one of our amazing members of the Bossed Up Courage community.
3: Hey, everyone. My name's Brittany. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, My Boss Move of the Week was getting a story that I wrote about my little brother, Tyler, um, and his recent diagnosis with end-stage renal disease uh, published on our local news site, DaytonLocal.com. It was a really big win for me. I don't have any connections to that website or any local papers, but use my bossed up boot camp skills of uh, sort of communication, sent them a cold email and uh, sent them the story that I had written about Tyler. Uh, it was big for me. I'm a very private person, so is Tyler. So sharing our pain, um, sharing all our story was, was a really big move for me. Um, just real briefly, Tyler's story is uh, really, really sad. He uh, Four weeks ago, we took him to the hospital, thought he had pneumonia. Uh, he actually has Berger's disease, which means the antibodies in his body are attacking his kidneys, and his kidneys are 90% uh, non-functioning. So he now needs a kidney donor at the age of 26 years old. So it is a sad story, um, but I made sure to also share All the funny things about tyler um and just facts about him you know he's he's way more than this crappy disease that he's been stuck with um and i'm just so proud of of getting that in the paper and i started a dedicated email account kidney4 the number four kidney4tyler at gmail.com uh now working on a t-shirt business cards so i'm just really really proud of all the the organizational skills the assertive communication the negotiation, all that I learned in Boston Boot Camp, I feel like I'm putting it to work um, for Tyler and his cause. So I'd love to keep up with all the other bosses on the podcast. Um, please find me Tyler's Kidney Squad on Facebook. My name's Brittany again. And if you have questions or concerns, or if you're interested in donating kidney for Tyler at gmail.com. That's kidney number four, Tyler. At gmail.com.
0: You really never know who you're inspiring when you share your wins. If you've got a boss moves moment of the week to share, or you want to submit a listener career conundrum for discussion on a future episode, give our podcast hotline a call right this moment at nine one zero six six eight boss or two 26- six 7 And don't forget that the best conversations happen after each episode on the bossed up blog and our free online courage community, which you can find now at bossup.org. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And don't forget to share today's episode with the boss besties in your life who might be on the fence of quitting a job that's no longer right for them. Let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose and together we'll lift as we climb. Let's face it. That's boss slash speak up.